I'm James Randi, and you're listening to the European Skeptics Podcast, the real ESP experience. You are listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European-level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode number 18. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Jelena Levin and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Всем привет! Hey, Stanalhoop! Guys! Happy Homeopathy Awareness Week. Yes. Indeed. Are you aware, people? Well, I hope you all know that uh, the Good Thinking Society, I think it was a couple of years ago, that they bought the domain homeopathyawarenessweek.org. So when you start looking for Homeopathy Awareness Week, uh, it comes up off on a Google search around the top. So... It was a good move by the Good Thinking mm. Society, so well done. But there is something else. Um, if you remember the 2011 1023 Homeopathy There's Nothing in It campaign, that's when uh, the Merseyside Skeptic Society started putting together a website uh, on the domain How Does Homeopathy Work? Yeah, that's the one, yeah. That's the one, How Does Homeopathy Work? And, uh, of course... I'm 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 not going to tell you what the website says but if you go on the website uh you'll find the answer. Yeah, I still owe some help to a few people guys who approached me actually about that uh because I did mention it on the show before. I will provide you with a template, some kind of HTML template uh that you can use for uh, putting together your own version in your own language of uh, how this homeopathy work. So, yeah, that's that's the plan and that's the idea. So you have provided them so far with a homeopathic template. It's so diluted, you can't find it. Yes, yeah, it's so diluted, yeah, it's, uh, you can't even find it. Yeah, well done, well done. Yeah, 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 I know. So I'm as good as the, your average homeopath. Mm. Yeah, but I'm planning on uh, doing better than that. Yeah, and our Facebook page is a good place to do that. Under one of our latest posts that is uh, reminding everyone to the World Homeopathy Awareness Week that actually starts on the 10th or started on the 10th of April. Do you know why that is? No. Any ideas? No. It's an important birthday. Hmm. Whose birthday is that? Samuel Hahnemann's birthday. Ah, <laughs> the inventor of this uh, bunch of silliness that mm-hmm. that is called homeopathy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is this is why it starts on the tenth of April, and it lasts until the end of that week. But uh, I think it's a good uh, place to do a quick sum up of uh, all the different web pages of the same kind in different languages. Dear listeners, if you want to put a link on the comment section under our post uh, that reminds you of the World Homeopathy Awareness Week, then we'll see how many different languages there are. Okay? That is the plan. Very good. Why not start or restart propagating your own website, uh, your own How Does Homeopathy Work website? And I'd like to encourage everyone to use the recently introduced hashtag on Twitter. That is Ask Boaron. I really want to make that live, that that hashtag. My finest dream about this is that Boaron is flooded with questions. Okay, let's move on. You're all good? You're all well? Yeah, all is well. No need for homeopathic remedies? No use for them. Ah, but there is always a need for homeopathic remedies. <laughs> 
Yeah, placebo. They keep you hydrated. Don't forget. They keep you very hydrated. I think we are making this episode kind of a special one in terms of having a segment that we don't usually have on every even-numbered episode. But since there is a person very close to Yelena's heart, I think we're going to make an exception here with On This Day. Indeed. Um, So 13th of April, 1949 is um, a special day for, well, I'm sure that there are many, many reasons why that, that is. But for me personally, it's because Christopher Hitchens was born on that day. Hitch. Uh, Hitch. Yes, good old Hitch. Unfortunately, I'll never be able to see him talk live or, or see him at the conference or ask him to sign my book, but I have read a fair amount of his writings. Um, so yeah, he's a very controversial figure, um, thought-provoking British-American writer, and he covered a lot of um, serious topics, um, including art, atheism. Um, he was a journalist who traveled to many different uh, parts of the world and covered various wars. Um, and in fact, he actually said that he became a journalist because um, he didn't want to rely on newspapers for information. Um, so, <laughs> um, and he was a very uh, thorough and honest journalist. Um, he wrote over 30 books and, um, you know, some of his works include books like Missionary Position, um, Hitch 22, that's his memoir, um, and, and others. And I cannot recommend his books highly enough to people who don't who haven't read any of his stuff his language is just amazing he's one of the most eloquent writers and speakers and he's got loads and loads of youtube videos that people can uh, look up and watch um and i know several people who i met in my life who were influenced directly by his work and became atheists because of him um and uh, became uh sort of more honest and uh well better people because they've uh, he showed the way to approach life from a position of 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 vigorous research and uh, questioning you know authority so uh, i love him very much (laughs) so much so that when we got a cat two years ago um and my husband we called him hitch amazing so uh, he doesn't quite live up to (laughs) his name but uh yeah, he he really lives on in our hearts. And one of my favorite quotes uh, of all times, as well as uh, by, by Hitch himself, uh, is this one. Take the risk of thinking for yourself. Much more happiness, truth, beauty and wisdom will come to you that way. So I don't want to go on forever about him because, well, one can. He has he had a fantastic life and he stood up for things he believed in. And uh, I just wanted to acknowledge that he was born on his day, Christopher Hitchens. Yay. It's the 13th of April. Yep. Well, actually, I do think that that uh, your cat is probably living up to that to that <laughs> name because cats are famous for, for making up their own mind and, and not relying on others. And, uh, of course, they rely on you in terms of food. Yeah. But... Uh, I but they just don't care. They yeah. they don't care what what you want them to do. They 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 make up their own mind. And I think it's very fitting. Every podcast these days has a has a cat. So now we have Hitch the Cat <laughs> as our ESP cat. That's great. Yeah, I'd like to make it clear here that we are not competing with uh, Richard Saunders. And especially because I haven't seen Hitch. I mean the cat, but. Uh, his cats are just overwhelmingly cute. Yeah, thank you very much, Elena. But we're not going to make a habit out of this. You know what? Everyone gets an On This Day special if it happens to be the right date. <laughs> what do you think of that? <laughs> yeah, sure. We were slightly, or I was slightly biased on this particular day because, because it's, it's Christopher Hitchens. I, I admit and I hold my hand up Thanks for letting me talk about him, Andrish. <laughs> You're welcome. It was it was fun having you talk about him. 
But we have a lot else to talk about, and we are we have an interview coming up uh, soon as well. But first, uh, we have a few events to talk about in the coming week. Tonight, there's going to be an event in Newcastle, uh, which will feature Sense About Science. We've talked a lot about uh, Sense About Science already. That is an organization in the United Kingdom with a fantastic goal of uh, bringing science and scientific thinking, critical thinking, closer to the public. And uh, they run several projects, uh, like uh, old trials. They uh, used to run Keep Libel Laws Out of Science, which resulted in the Defamation Act of uh, 2013, which was a great achievement, and um, Ask for Evidence. So that is going to be in Newcastle, Skeptics in the Pub. They're going to have a kind of an introductory event. On the 14th of um, April, which is uh, the, tomorrow, um, there will be a Portsmouth Skeptics in the Pub. Um, and the topic is Evidence Matters, and it matters that we ask for it. And I'm sure we've mentioned in the previous uh, episodes of our podcast uh, um, about this com- uh, initiative um, called Ask for Evidence campaign. That's run by Sense About Science again. So, okay, again, yeah, Sense About it's all, it's all, you know... Uh, comes around in a new yeah. circle. Um, so I do think we should we should um, have someone on the show for an interview from Sense About Science in the future. Yeah, totally. yeah. I'm pretty sure that if we interview them on the show, many listeners outside of the UK will have a lot to take home of of that interview. Ideas, uh, techniques of how to do this stuff. So. I do think it it would be worth it. Yeah, thank you. On the 15th of April in Manchester, the Greater Manchester Skeptic Society has uh, uh, Skeptics in the Pub, uh, where prison lawyer Emma McClure will examine the issues of forensic techniques, highlighting the amusing, confusing, and sometimes tragic consequences of failing to take a skeptical approach to evidence in the field of forensic science. It's called The Phantom of Heilbronn and Other Forensic Faux Pas, and it'll be at the King's Arms in Manchester. Mm. And after a bit of a hiatus, uh, on Tuesday, the 19th of April, Ben in Switzerland, Skeptics in the Pub, is um, happening with a title, Sleeping with a Waste of Time, right? Uh, it's going to be in, Ger- in uh, German. Uh, that lecture and the speaker is uh, oh, I'm trying to pronounce his name correctly but I can't promise anything Gilberto Tingueli probably butchered his name sorry about that sounds good to me he's a sleep researcher and I I have to mention that um, when it comes to sleep research the first name that comes to my mind is Richard Wiseman because he's the person we hear the most about in terms of um, uh, sleep research, yeah, this is this is one of the main reasons why we love doing this segment. That we can show this can show everyone that people are doing the same stuff or similar stuff in other countries as well, but they are underrepresented in the international communication among skeptics. Then on the 20th of April, uh, next Wednesday in Lund, where I will be present and I'm actually arranging it, there will be a very interesting Skeptics in the Pub because we will have a a theologian called uh, Martin Lemke. He is a a Catholic and he is a, a researcher. He has a PhD and he's going to present to us what he calls the world's best evidence to prove God's existence. Ooh. Very exciting. So he is on the sort of the other side and uh, he knows what he's getting into and uh, apparently he's a very uh, very uh, engaging uh, speaker as well. So I, I expect we'll have a grand time. I'm not sure he will convince us, but it'll be very interesting to hear what he has to say. So this is in Lund on the 20th of April. Okay, but if he convinces you, are you going to admit that? I'll resign from the show. Yes. <laughs> Are you going to resign from the show? 
<laughs> you don't have to. We are not. We are not discriminative against uh, theists. Um, no. If he convinces me, I'll admit that he was right and I was wrong. That's the the only approach you can have as a skeptic. Indeed. Okay, everyone. I think we have to be prepared. <laughs> Um, on the same day, the 20th of April, uh, there'll be a Skeptics in the Pub in Vienna uh, with Dr. Holm Gerer Um I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that name right as well. And the um, talk will be about uh, chemtrails. So that's always an interesting and, and uh, controversial topic to talk about. Um, so, yeah. Thank you. I wanted to ask you something about uh, Skeptics in the Pub event. And it would be nice to hear from uh, our listeners whether they tend to invite speakers from the other side, so to speak. I think it's very unusual. Yeah, this is this is the reason why I'm asking the question. Uh, it's not very usual. The other day that was uh, there, there was one, f- uh, a creationist uh, at one of the Skeptics in the Pub events, and now you're talking about a uh, theologian uh, talking. Yeah, it would be very interesting to know why we're not doing it, because this is the reason why we skeptics can be accused of preaching to the choir. Mm. So... We're not necessarily debating stuff with the representatives of their own field, but experts from our side mm. on a certain topic. Mm. No, but it's interesting. We have discussed that quite a lot, actually. And I think we've. there's two reasons that I can think of uh, on top of my head. First of all, <laughs> we actually f- like preaching to the choir sometimes. And you, we freely admit that. that it's nice to have a, a place where you can truly be among people who can dig into things and think more or less the same as you do but because you know other people get tired of hearing about it all the time so once in a while you need to have that outlet the other thing is that you we have hesitated as well to to invite somebody to what could be perceived as a hostile audience you know, mm. if you if you want to do this, you really need to make sure that the person who who comes knows what what's waiting and uh, and, uh, and 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 really is prepared to talk to people who really are fun- fundamentally disagrees with what it's going to say. Yeah, so they're they're actually going into the lion's cave. Yeah, exactly, something yeah. like that. Maybe, maybe maybe it's not that bad, but I mean that's that's the the reasons we have discussed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've had uh, that discussion uh, in the Hungarian Skeptic Society as well. There are some podcasts who specifically do just that, like Dogma Debate. They invite people from the opposite side and actually talk to them about the reason why they believe what they believe. But oh yeah, it, and marshes, marshes, be reasonable. Yeah, yeah but, but that's a podcast. Takes, that's a podcast. Yeah. But in in a live yeah. audience situation, in a skeptics in the yeah. pub, it's different, maybe. Because yeah, you can't edit it afterwards. No, yeah, you can't. People start to and, shout at him. And, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> there is, a, I guess, there is always a risk, but but I think it would be a good thing to do. I mean, yeah, I think mm-hmm. maybe we should engage with the other side more. Yeah, probably. And one of the the methods uh, or one of the ways that we can engage more uh, with the other side is investigations those investigations can go very far and uh, can can help in the problems of alienating people i think because if you're really if you're really interested if 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 you go into it with a genuine interest in finding out the truth that comes across as as a positive behavior yeah well yeah it's just uh, the um, recent European Skeptic Congress comes to mind and all the investigations that, for example, were presented by uh, the guys from Poland, uh, where they actually have got a channel, you know, TV channel, where they, you know, put together the series of programs where they uh, investigated the claims of paranormal, like with uh, the Dowsers. Yeah, yeah. Um and they have engaged with the people who claim to have powers and they've uh, done 
done it the right way. They set up the experiment. They were very, you know, they said, you know, if we, if you prove it to us, we're absolutely happy to admit it. But mm. nothing, nothing ever came out of it because the people on the other side didn't want to hear it. There was always something that, you know, wasn't right, and that's why the their powers didn't work or whatever, you know. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But but on saying that, people who observe it might go, mm, you know, if they're on the fence or if they're not sure, those are probably the people who will be persuaded that maybe there are there isn't there aren't any special powers out there. So yeah, and it's very interesting to try these things as like dowsing rods, etc. This um, weekend I didn't mention, but I was on the yearly meeting for the Swedish skeptics in Uppsala, and we. Uh, uh, tried using a pendulum, you know, by mm-hmm. you know, so we were illustrating mm-hmm. the idiomotor effect. Yeah, and yeah, I, I saw the, swear saw the to God, on, on I swear to God, I could make that pendulum move with my the thoughts that I had. I could <laughs> command it with my thought. It was very, very convincing. So <laughs> yeah, that so that is something very interesting to try. You can r- easily understand why people try tr- uh, believe that it's real. The idiomotor effect is yeah. is very powerful. Uh, once I even did a, a, a psychic seance with my sister, with my twin sister. <laughs> and How did that go? She was shocked because there were writings on the paper huh. and the writings were, were the actual answers to our questions, supposedly from our grandmother. Oh, fantastic. And she was so persuaded. And... I was not cheating. I was not doing it on purpose. (laughs) But actually, I was the one writing. But it was so cleverly put together. The the, the guy had us uh, do this, sitting in front of each other, both our right hands uh, on on top of one another's, with a small little three-legged chair, with one leg being a pencil. Mm Mm-hmm. And a large sheet of paper, and we had to circle around with the little thing. And out of those circles, after a while, actual words started to appear. It was amazing. And it was on a TV show. Oh. It was years and years ago. (laughs) Uh, But thankfully, there was a psychologist there. Oh, so you had to go into therapy afterwards. That's why it was... (laughs) He's a he's a researcher, a psychology researcher, oh. and actually he is now a parapsychologist oh. in Hungary. But he's the believing parapsychologist. Gee. He still believes in ESP and stuff. I mean, not us, but uh, yeah. so not the real ESP experience, but uh, extrasensory perception. But then, then years ago, he explained it on the show how idiomotor effects are extremely powerful. And uh, how how this phenomenon can be explained by it. Before we leave the the, the skeptics in the pub or the calendar, I want to say that our offer still stands. If you have a skeptics in the pub th- somewhere and you want us to join via Skype, we are here. We will do it. One of us or, or all three of us, if we can. Yeah. So uh, please get in touch. Jelena, you know where to reach us, right? Absolutely, yes. Um, so you can find us on, on Twitter and our Twitter handle is at espodcast underscore EU. You can also email us info at theesp.eu. Um, you can uh, fill in the um, uh, contact form on our website, theesp.eu, or you can follow us on Facebook. Yes, please do. And please contact us. Uh, with news, events, thoughts, questions, requests, criticism, death threats. And send us a few beer, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Thank you very much. I think this is about time to move on to our interview with a psychic investigator, a great man who has written lots and lots of books, Massimo Polidoro, from Italy. Every week, we interview someone who represents a skeptical organization, group or project, either from a certain European country or stretching across borders. This time, 
We have here with us the Italian psychologist, writer and skeptical investigator Massimo Polidoro. He is a co-founder and executive director of the Italian Committee for the Investigation of Claims of the Pseudosciences, also known as PSYCAP or CICAP, uh, host of the Italian podcast L'Esploratore dell'Insolito and author of over 40 books covering topics ranging from parapsychology to spiritualism and Harry Houdini to various historical figures. Massimo, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you here. Um, well, as I mentioned in the, in the introduction, you have a background in psychology, but you are absolutely prolific in your works and amazingly productive. But have you always been a skeptic? Well, uh, I started very early uh, when I was a kid, actually, to be uh, fascinated by the world of the, of the mysterious, the paranormal. Uh, I was attracted to magic when I was really a child, uh, seven years, uh, I think. Uh, I saw the Houdini movie with Tony Curtis, and I thought that was the greatest superhero that ever lived, you know, <laughs> freeing himself from every kind of uh, constraint, and then on top of that, uh, uh, fighting the fakers uh, from the spirit world. So that was a fantastic figure. And so when I found a few years later uh, that there, uh, there was a... Uh, a man living, uh, doing the same things in, in the United States, uh, who, who had been a magician and escape artist and was fighting fakers in, in the world of the paranormal. I, I, I thought this is someone that I have to, to meet somehow. Uh, and that was, of course, James Randi. So, but at the beginning, I, I, I hoped that this kind of powers. I saw Yuri Geller on TV when I was um, when I was a kid, and uh, and they thought that uh, it was real, you know, bending keys and metal and whatever. And then so I tried. Um, it didn't work, of course. <laughs> uh, I tried to read everything about the subject, but didn't make much sense until I found some skeptical literature, which finally uh, opened my eyes. <laughs> mm. And uh, when when did that happen? Um, let me see. The, I read a book uh, by an Italian author who was very, very popular here in Italy. It's like a sort of a Carl Sagan figure, uh, Piero Angela. Uh, yep. It was an investigation into the paranormal world from a scientific perspective and it debunked all kinds of claims in a, in a very, uh, not in an aggressive way, which I don't like, but in a, in a very, um, um, in an approach that tried to understand if these things were real and that was attracted me to it. And Jim Friendly was a big part of the of the book. It was, uh, I think, around 1980, <sighs> be 82 or something like that so i was uh, uh around 13 14 mm. wow that young hmm. <laughs> were you in contact with other skeptics already at that point or was it more of a you uh, against the world sort of thing well yeah at the mom uh, at that time you know there was no internet so um i, I didn't know anybody uh, around uh, around my my town, my country, or or nowhere else, and uh, and after I read that book, I found that there was a committee in the United States investigated the claims uh, with a skeptical approach. So I wrote a letter to them, and I discovered that they had a magazine, Skeptical Inquirer, and I immediately subscribed, and I found this uh, very interesting and fascinating world. And, and then I knew that there was somebody else in the world thinking <laughs> the same things yeah. that I that I thought. And uh, you are a co-founder of uh, Cheek Up. Yes. How did that idea uh, come about and what was the actual role you played in it? Okay, this is a, a bit of a long story. I'll try to make it short because it's, uh, it's all interconnected after I read that book that I told you about from... Piero Angela. Piero Angela uh, had this idea of uh, founding a, an Italian committee on the model of PSYCOP. That was 1978 at uh, the time when he did this investigation. But uh, he was not able to start this committee because he had the, the, the support of many leading figures in science, Nobel Prize winners and many popular 
scientists and uh, and um, people of culture in Italy that were supporting the idea of, of a committee that would investigate and uh, debunk false claims. But uh, the problem is always that if you want to start a, a similar uh, a similar committee, you also need people that do the work, <laughs> as we say, you know, uh, write the letters and prepare the, the newsletter and keep the, the people updated and, uh, and so on. And so a few years later, after I read this book, I wrote uh, to Pierangela a letter uh, congratulating him and telling him how fantastic was um, his work and that it really opened my eyes. And at the same time, I wrote a letter to James Randi in the United States uh, through Psychop, because I didn't have the his address at the yeah. time, and uh, I didn't expect an answer. I just wanted to express my 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 great uh, satisfaction in finding uh, people like-minded and uh, and discovering such a fantastic uh, uh, world and an approach to these um, these extraordinary claims. Uh, I didn't think much about it. after that. I went to uh, on holiday with my family. I, I was still going to school. And when I returned, I found two letters waiting for me, and one was coming from Rome, uh, the Rai television, which, where Pierangelo worked, and the other one was coming from the United States, and was from James Randi. So both of them replied. They were both very, very kind, very supportive, and they both expressed uh, uh, great uh, satisfaction in finding that uh, somebody uh, young was... Uh, was so enthusiastic about the subject and uh, Pierangelo told me he had this idea of starting the committee but was not able to do it and he was trying to revive it. This was uh, like 86, 87 or something like that. And uh, and he said, when uh, when I do it, I will bring James Randi to Italy so maybe you will have a chance to, to meet him as well. And I was over, over, my, over myself because that was a dream of course to meet uh, James Randi and what happened is that uh, Randi came to Italy uh, we met and I was uh, I had millions of questions for him and was so <laughs> kind to, to answer everything about Houdini about Uri Geller about everything that he did in his life his uh, investigation the Carlos hoax everything um, and he also brought books w with him for me because we had exchanged a few letters in the in the meantime, and uh, so we we spent a whole day uh, chatting and and, and and I never wanted the day to end. But he had to go to fly to Rome with Piero Angela because they had to to be on a TV show um, in order to talk about this idea of starting the, this committee, Chicap. Uh, which was going to be called, and uh, and so I, I I found let's say the courage because that was not really the way I I was uh, I was brought up I was very shy and but however that that was so fantastic for me and I didn't want it to end so I said if I find a way to to come to Rome can I meet you again and uh, they were both. Happy for my proposal, and Piero Angelo said, "Oh, don't worry about that. If you can come, you will be my guest, and I will be more than pleased to have you with us because I really see that you are uh, enthusiastic about this, and I would like you to continue your um, discussion with Randy and, uh, and involve you in this uh, in, this, in starting this committee." Well, to make it short, we spent a few days in Rome together, and at the end of those days. Um, Piero had a, an offer, an offer that uh, you can't refuse, you know, the kind of offers. Uh, he said, uh, well, you know, Randy has been watching you these few days and he's been asking you all kinds of questions, apart from those that you ask him, ask him all the time. But uh, uh, he wanted to see how your mind worked and uh, if you were uh, up to the task that we were thinking for you. And the task was uh, was this. Would you like to go to the United States and become Randy's apprentice in order to learn how to wow. investigate these mysteries and see it up close how all of this works? And uh, and I will sponsor you, Pierre Angelo told me, because I'm convinced that uh, apart from investing the money that I earn from my television shows and whatever in, in the bank, I, I believe in investing in people that... I think that can be, um, that can give something when they grow up. And I think that you are one of those. And, uh, and so that's how the whole thing started.
wow it's it's like a really a dream coming true a dream uh, come true absolutely i was uh, <laughs> i was at the time 17 i think wow so, so how long yes. did you stay in the in america then i stayed there for about a year and a half or something like that uh with uh, with rain they stayed with rain traveled with him went to all kinds of incredible places and meet all kind of <laughs> all kinds of uh improbable people uh, you know TV shows experiments testings uh, lectures um, strange places uh, it was all fascinating to me and all experience and then I helped him in research and writing his books and then uh, and then I, I returned to Italy because I wanted to get uh, a degree at the university in psychology and I wanted to to do it in Italy not because I didn't like the United States, but because it was a different approach, and uh, I still wasn't uh, wasn't ready to uh, to leave in the United States, even though I've been there and I found myself uh, found it a great place. Uh, and Randy was a fantastic company. But since then, we've been very close, and we've visited each other constantly every year, and he's like a second father to me. If I'm not mistaken, Piero Angelo and James Randy are almost exactly the same age. Yes, yes, you're, you're right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you had um, these not not father figures, but grandfather figures in your life. Grandfathers, um, that's right. <laughs> wonderful. Uh, two wonderful people, I, I would say. Absolutely. But then you went on to found Cheek Up. Yes. Was it in 1989? It was in 1989, yes. Um, I I was in the United States when we were... Uh, before leaving, actually, we started... Uh, we we uh, we opened office, let's say, and uh, there was uh, Lorenzo Montali, which had, had spent uh, uh, about six months at PsychUp in order to learn how they worked. And, uh, and he brought that experience to Italy, and then there were a few other people, of course. And... Uh, we started very very small but uh, the media we were lucky enough uh, were very keen to give us uh, space and attention because we had Piero Angela and because we had the Nobel Prize winners and people like Umberto Eco which were uh, big supporters of us and so uh, mm. it was it was let's say uh, easy to get on the newspapers on the magazines or on TV but even for a few few minutes, because they had at the time many programs that dealt with uh, mysteries and paranormal, and the skeptics were never featured before that. And so, even having a few minutes to say that, that, that the, the opinion of uh, the scientific world was uh, was quite an accomplishment at the time. And uh, since there was no internet, that was the the main uh, goal that we were. Um, trying to accomplish, go on television as often as we could. And you're still doing that to this day? Yeah, yes. All absolutely. the time? <laughs> <laughs> Not all the time, but a lot. <laughs> but you, you do appear a lot uh, on TV, don't you? Well, yes, it happens very, very often because um, after 20, 27 years, <laughs> I'm quite... Uh, um, recognized as a, as, a, as a figure dealing with these topics and so I'm frequently asked uh, to, to appear to comment on some kind of news or to be a, uh, a guest or to be a host of a show or, uh, or to be a scientific consultant so many many roles that I have uh, worked during the years um, on television and this despite your young age because you're not an old man so <laughs> <laughs> older than you think <laughs> yeah based on based on your, what you've achieved so far right. that's <laughs> that, that would be a safe assumption um chica started yes. to develop and um did it gain momentum very very quickly so um uh, people started to join like crazy or not really, not really. What happened is that um, we we started with a few hundreds people and then we reached a thousand and I think that the point of uh, uh, departure was when the internet came. Mm. And that really opened uh, 
the world to us and, and made us available to everybody who wanted to find a different approach to these subjects. But um, what we find, even if today we are very loud sometimes, and, uh, and if we, have a, um, we are building a stronger social um, profile, and we have, you know, our website draws around a million visitors each month. Uh, the, the Facebook page, actually, we started working uh, really on it uh, since a few months, and, and we have about 40,000, 50,000 um, likes, as, wow. you, as you say. Uh, but we have a strong uh, following, and yet uh, the members, the, the subscribers, let's say, to the magazine, the, the, the paying supporters never um, never surpassed the 2000 the number of 2000 for some reason uh, there is a big turnover uh, many people leave and many other arrive uh, but that's that's um, a number that we seem unable to to break mm. do you have an idea as to why that is uh, well you know because probably belonging to uh, um, an association like uh, Chikap, uh, um, you can support it. You can, uh, you can even. Uh, I, I'm not sure if you have the same thing over there, uh, which is called when you when you pay your taxes, you can devote uh, a small percent of it. Yeah. To uh, we have it in Hungary. Yeah. Ah, okay. So w- we are getting that kind of support as well that help us pay all the bills and all the the office work and whatever. And, and so that helps but uh, so may, maybe people find that they can help us and support us in other ways apart from 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 a subscription to the magazine or a, or a membership which is uh, something that you have to remember every year to do and we, we, we of course we write them and we tell them that they have to renew but for some reason that's not enough yeah it's not easy mm. we usually ask people uh, people to say the the name of their organization in their language. So could you could you tell us how it sounds? Chicap. Absolutely. Chicap means uh, Comitato Italiano per il Controllo delle Affermazioni sulle Pseudoscienze, which translated sounds like uh, the Italian Committee for the Investigation of Claims on Pseudoscience. Okay, I am in love with your language. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the name was chosen by Piero Angela at the beginning because Chicap sounded like checkup, ah. but nobody caught it. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody caught it? No, no, no. But <laughs> we could have called ourselves something much easier to remember. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think Chicap sounds pretty good. Yeah, but in order to, to catch that, you, you have to understand English well. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I wonder yeah. how you how you're working, how you're organized. Are you, do you have local chapters around Italy, or is it just one central organization? We have local chapters, yes, in uh, regions, mm-hmm. in many regions. We have Italy is composed of twenty regions, like I don't know Lombardy, Piemonte, uh, Veneto, uh, Tuscany, and Sicily, and Sardinia, and so on. And most of them we have uh, local chapters, which are all connected to the main one of course mm-hmm. there are no independent uh, skeptical organizations apart from Chicap uh, in it even though there are singular individuals that do maybe great work on on their own and are friends or are and are contributors but are not part of Chicap mm-hmm. okay. but the only skeptical organization is is ours mm-hmm. if there is someone who would like to join but th- they don't have a local chapter there uh, where they live yeah. because Italy is a huge country. Um, what do you suggest they do? Well, anybody can join, of course, from wherever they are. Uh, the the national organization, and uh, um, but if they want to to be to do something, uh, we give them tools in order to try to start a local group. You know, we put them in touch with other local members and. Uh, and we give them help, and maybe some someone of, of our group goes over there, meets them, and uh, try to organize a lecture or whatever. And sometimes something works out, and a new group gets formed. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. Yeah, but as you know, it's not it's not easy to keep them alive because yeah. uh, there are some that are great and fantastic groups that keep 
on producing lots of material and lectures and investigations and uh, um, all kinds of stuff and uh, others that really when the the coordinator the, the leader of the group maybe gets a new job or has to go abroad or gets married or whatever uh, and, and the other members are not as strong the whole thing falls apart yeah it's the usual skeptics tragedy <laughs> well, well it's very often dependent on one person or a few persons yeah. and if they quit or they move mm. things die yeah yeah, it's a pity. yeah but you have some uh big projects as well like uh, one that even uh we reported on on this very podcast the indagatori dei misteri how is that going um how many people enrolled and uh, and uh, what it what is it all about okay we have um every year we organize um a course yeah let's say in investigating mysteries which takes about a weekend every month uh, where our uh, our experts our uh, consultants our investigators let's say um, maybe you know luigi garlas kelly which is another yeah of our members, uh, which are very popular abroad as well for his investigations in um, uh, re- paranormal um, related to religion, the Shroud of Turing. Uh, we usually get around 20 to 30 people every year, not more, because it gets very difficult to manage. And, uh, and we want everybody to be able to experience and to learn how to do the investigations, how to perform the investigations, and uh, they all have a chance, you know, to meet people that actually claim they have psychic powers, like dowsers or astrologers or uh, um, psychics of other kinds, and prepare tests for them. Or we bring them to a field and we uh, teach them how to draw uh, huge uh, drawings in a in a cornfield, and a few days after, of course, they find. Uh, crop circles and, <laughs> and and some newspapers fall for it, or we we have uh, firewalks or uh, and all kinds of hands-on experiences in order to to give um, to the participants the the actual experience of what it means to investigate these claims, and then from uh, from this uh, this workshop this this course uh, many of our uh, investigators come out of our new collaborators. It's a, I think it's a great uh, um, way of, uh, of building new, um, new experts. That is impressive. That means you're passing on, by, by you, I don't only mean you yourself, but uh, yes, other yes, yes, investigators, yes. you're passing on the very knowledge that you've learned in similar ways, like uh, you did from Randy. That's brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know, one thing is, is is to read on a book or to see a TV program. Another one is to stay uh, with with the people that do these things, uh, spend time with them, and uh, learn from them. And uh, and you know, from one thing leads to another, and uh, maybe new friendships are born, and uh, new collaborators, and, uh, and and as I said, new investigators come out all the time. <laughs> Oh yeah, this way. Can you tell us what are the most important um, topics that you investigate and face personally um, and also as an organization? Well, as you can imagine, uh, pretty much I think there are the same things that you find in your countries, in other countries of, uh, in Europe, from uh, um, all of the medical, uh, pseudo-medical stuff from homeopathy and... Uh, um, uh, all kinds of treatments that have no scientific basis uh, to um, psychic claims less and less actually because they all try to um, transform themselves into something that sounds scientific you know and so you don't have many dowsers as as it used to be you don't have many uh, astrologers going on tv except for the the last day of the year what they they are always there. Uh, you don't have many mm, psychokinetics like Yuri Geller. You don't have any any of those today. Uh, most of them are still um, trying to sell uh, false uh, false beliefs, but give them a, like a, 
a scientific address, hoping that uh, that people don't investigate too much. And of course, what we want, we deal with a lot, and personally, I do a lot, is um, investigating uh, conspiracy theories, which abound thanks to the internet, and uh, and there are a lot uh, over here, as I think there are over there, from uh, um, chemtrails to um, everything connected to vaccines and. Uh, and of course, all of the uh, terrorist attacks always have some some conspiracy attached to it, and so on. What about homeopathy? Oh yes, uh, we have we constantly have something to 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 do with that because um, it is not um, recognized, of course, uh, officially. But there are always attempts to bring it into the uh, social. Um, social service to have it paid by the by the society, you know, treatment through homeopathy. Um, our Pierangela was brought to court by the biggest uh, homeopathic association because in one of his TV show TV shows was uh, simply had interviewed a few scientists that said that there is nothing in homeopathy and that it's like pure water. It doesn't work and it's only a placebo effect. And then they brought him to court for slander and luckily they lost good <laughs> of course yeah. i say luckily because you know one thing is when you have to deal with scientists another one is when you go to court where uh, a judge uh, doesn't always make his judgments based on scientific fact you know so that could have been uh, risky and uh, how are these uh, pseudoscientific claims treated by uh, authorities in Italy? I mean, uh, for example, for example, uh, homeopathy is it available on the the national health care system? It is not, but as I said, they're trying to to make it available, and you know, the the lobbies try to uh, convince politicians to bring laws. That make it available. The fact is that politicians are not uh, more informed than the usual citizen about this uh, these claims, unless they they do a, a, a big deal of study in it. And there was even the Ministry of Health here in Italy that um, a few months ago wrote an introduction to an homeopathic uh, book by the president of the homeopaths over here, and we had to raise. Um, to ring a bell uh, to this fact which was uh, unacceptable that the Ministry of Health could in some way give uh, credibility to these claims and we raised about 20,000 signatures from scientists saying that this was outrageous and uh, a few days later the Ministry uh, took away the the introduction to the books it was a small success well done, well done (laughs) But you always have to be, you know, with with twenty eyes <laughs> looking for these things. Yeah. But currently, even the European Medicines Agency has um, an Italian man as the executive director, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Italian people have a reputation of of being very religious and superstitious, but we often hear about regional differences in that regard. So how well founded are those claims? Is is there anything to that or well the usually the the general uh, belief is that the souther you go the deeper are some superstitions and uh, magical beliefs. And uh, it may be true and in some ways and in some in some places it's it, it was like this of course in the past where in Sicily, in, in Naples, in uh, you know, all kinds of um, southern cities, it was easier to find rituals of a semi-magical nature linked to religion, linked to um, tradition and folklore. Um, and there are some that survive in in, in the countries around the, around the towns. But I would say that Superstition is, uh, is, is is everywhere, unfortunately, and even uh, people with a degree um, are superstitious in some way. And, uh, and we've we've had politicians who were superstitious. <laughs> so uh, there is really no not a big difference between the north and the south today, uh, on that from that point of view. Mm-hmm. Okay, going about 
uh, marking things like uh, calling things pseudoscience and doing your investigations, etc. Do you make a lot of enemies uh, in Italy and do you get your, you know, hate mail and death threats or how do people react? Uh, we used to get more of that uh, in the past, uh, let's say. Um, we used to get threat uh, letters, uh, which were ridiculous. Um, now we get trolls, uh, as you as you probably do as well. <laughs> but you can deal with that very easily. You just <laughs> throw them out, and they and they leave you alone. But uh, yes, you. We also have. Uh, you know, people that strongly believe in some of the conspiracy theories, maybe those on vaccines or maybe those on chemtrails that think we are all part of the New World Order or some kind of a, of a, oh, of a yeah. global uh, scheme to destroy the world. But, you know, they, they make ridiculous... Uh, they, they turn themselves into, into, a, into a parody. Uh, so it's... It's difficult for uh, somebody who doesn't know anything to take them mm. seriously. We usually don't get to the try not to get to the low level. <laughs> so it's uh, naming the organization and and having the the word pseudoscience is in the name of the organization. It doesn't doesn't really repel people. No, it did repel them when we had paranormal in the name. Because oh. we had to change, yeah, we had to change the the, the last P. And since uh, couple of, two three years now, uh, the complete name was investigating you know, claims of the paranormal, like psychop. Yeah. Uh, but then we turned it to pseudoscience because it was so broad, the the, the, the variety of uh, topics that we touched that the paranormal was just one of them, and and we found that using pseudoscience also. Um, brought scientists uh, nearer to us before they said well you know paranormal I don't want to get involved with that even if you're skeptics I know Piero Angela and the normal price winners but uh, I don't care about paranormal so the science they do <laughs> mm, so, that, so that was better oh, that's, that's a good move <laughs> <laughs> so you wrote a, a biography of Harry Houdini um, and we also know from a Wikipedia article <laughs> and <Yeah>. from other sources <laughs> that you're writing a uh, James Randi biography. How, how how is that progressing? Oh, the Randi biography is, is going to be something really uh, fantastic, not only from my point of view, but just because he had such a fantastic life. Uh, so filled. I, I'm not sure. Probably you've seen An Honest Liar, oh, yes. the movie. Oh, gosh. Yeah, absolutely. What a What a brilliant documentary. It's a fantastic documentary, and it gives you just you know a scratch of the of the many things that it did, and uh, many of them have never been uh, told, and there are fantastic stories, and you know the research for this book went on for a few years before I I, I got involved in it. Uh, there was a, a lot of work being done by Kim Scheinberg in New York, and, um, and supported by Penn Gillette. And uh, and then I was asked to take over a few years ago, and I have uh, started to collect all of this material, collect more, all of the work that had been done for the movie. And I, of course, uh, during my 25 years that I've known Randy, I had constantly been collecting stories and materials from him. And, you know, such a huge quantity of material, the big mm. job is sorting all of this stuff out and, of course, writing the book, but that will, will mm. come later. Um, I think that the next year we'll, uh, we will have some, something, to, something to say of, mm. of interest. For, for the moment, it's, it's very low-key because it has to be like this, and uh, next year we'll have mm. something interesting coming up. But but I assume th this will be going to be in English. I assume, absolutely yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's not going to be your first book written in English, is it? No, this is going to be probably my third book written directly in English. Even though I've always written in English, I have a column in the Skeptical Inquirer now for mm -hmm. you know, fifteen years, and uh, and many other things that I write in English. But uh, as for, as far as books are concerned, this is going to be probably the, the third. After the first one was a um, was titled Final Seance, and it was about the friendship between Houdini and Conan Doyle, 
Mm-hmm. And that was a, a great uh, adventure to write and great fun because I had to go through the correspondence between them, the the entries in their diaries, all of the newspapers at the time, and and construct this uh, incredible story. And many other authors later have done it. And it's a fantastic story. And now there is a, a TV show, you know, on Houdin and Doyle in the UK, uh, which is which has nothing to do with what happened in real life, but still is fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, this this happens very often with uh, uh, <laughs> movies and uh, series. But that means that uh, you write in English and in Italian. Is there another language that you write in? No, no, <laughs> that's no. enough. <laughs> but your your books have been translated into other languages as well, right? Yes, yes, exactly. Um, they've been translated in uh, from Spanish to French to German to Korean. Um, there are some in, the, I wouldn't say Swedish, but uh, maybe I have a Houdini book, which probably is in Swedish. One of uh, the biography that I wrote in Italian, Homudini. Uh, I cannot pronounce really? it. Really? Uh, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, please do. <laughs> yeah, and if someone's interested in uh, having one of uh, Massimo's books published in, in, in other languages... Yes, uh, well, they, they contact me and then I put them to my agent. And uh... Where can they contact you? Okay, you can come to my website, which is massimopolidoro.com. You can come to my um, web, uh, let's say, Facebook page, mm-hmm. which is maybe easier from... Well, it's easy to go to a website, but uh, the, the Facebook page is official.massimo.polidoro. Or you can write me an email at um, um, polidoro um, at... Uh, Cicap, That sounds good. Since we're uh, talking about uh, other languages, are there many um, international connections um, that Cicap is involved in or uh, international collaborations? Um, well, apart from the European organization, we, um, we, we keep in touch with uh, skeptics all over the world. I personally do, uh, I've always done that, and, uh, uh, you know, I started uh, meeting at, at conferences and uh, around the world with Randy at, uh, at the beginning, and then by myself, all kinds of people that now have, uh, are no longer with us, like parapsychologists or great skeptics that are gone, but great relationships and great uh, uh, friendships have uh, have started that way and are still going on strong. And um, Chikapa is going to build them even stronger. That's a very optimistic <laughs> yes. approach. That That is, uh, I think, the finest way to wrap up our interview. Well, um, it's been a real pleasure and it's been an honor talking to you. My pleasure, absolutely. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's been great. Thank you all. Yes. Uh, let's do it again when the Randy's book is uh, is going to be ready. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. We would love to, yeah. Absolutely. We'll find you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when that you happens. You know what to find. And uh, we'll... <laughs> Yeah. We'll promote we'll promote the book uh, very very heavily, so Great. you can count on us. And uh, we wish you all the success with uh, your books. Oh, the same, uh, the same to your podcast and your work, of course. Thank you very much. And I'm uh, looking forward to the next episode of your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you you, t- you listen to Italian? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of a way for me to improve my Italian. Yeah. Oh, fantastic, <laughs> fantastic. Then uh, I have to do them. I have to do them more. Oh, yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Massimo Polidoro. Thank you very much. Thanks again. Thank you. Bye-bye. 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 Bye. And this was our interview. And I think this has been about it uh, when it comes to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And please join us again next time. Please do. Thank you very much, Yelena. Thank you. Thank you, Pontus. Thank you, Andras. Thank you. And until next time, goodbye. Ciao. Bye-bye. Bye.
This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Robb and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe Something happening. Uh, it's, it's, it's on Pontus' side. Hello? Okay, who's hitting a microphone? Me, I'm just adjusting. Ho, ha, hi. Okay. <laughs> Using karate. Hello, hello, yeah. hello. Karate. One, two, one, two. Okay, ready. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, what was that? How did you do that? Wasn't just an extra sound effect. It's a bottle of champagne. Yeah. I'm in my third now. Okay, yeah, whatever. Carry on. Pontus, you should not be drinking. You are not very well. I have, I have just finished a glass of water. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and be careful because at your age, <laughs> a food poisoning can be deadly. Andrew, yeah, Andrew you have to quick. You have Andrew to hurry up because it's to... my bedtime soon, and I might just go to bed. <laughs> Andrew is being mean. You to can Pontus. do the bloody show yourself. <laughs> No. Oh dear. Yes, yeah. Ports. <laughs> Portsmouth. Portsmouth. Fuck. Yeah. No. 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 It is. Sorry. <laughs>